Hello, welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're discussing chapters 35 through 38 of The Dark Prophecy. So I will say that I really liked these chunk of chapters. Like it was building up to it, but I really, really liked this chunk of too too much, in fact, because I accidentally read the next chapter and stopped myself. So I'm actually one. I read chapter 39 and I realized this is probably way more than I was supposed to. My allotted reading. So, um, but I will say. I've ruined it. I know one more chapter than I should, but I really, this is like kind of like build up in the pacing that I would have been looking for in the first book. And honestly, even in yeah. all of Heroes of Olympus. Yeah. Like this is the kind of thing that was missing where it was slowly building up to a final battle mm-hmm. that made sense. It wasn't just like one chapter of a final battle and all of it happens like him entering the battle after it's like near the end of it makes a lot more sense Mm -hmm. yeah i like that there's like a clear climax in this book yeah yeah whereas i think our struggle with heroes of olympus was there were like five different big battles in each book from five different perspectives (laughs) and they start they go start to finish wrapped up in two chapters yes yes that if you're gonna make it short you have to have like the battle was raging on and then the characters enter from like a little bit later or or something like that that makes a lot more sense if you're going to keep it short or you have to have it take a good chunk of the book like pjo the last like 10 chapters were dedicated to whatever last final battle he was gonna have what monster he was facing uh, i'm just like the uh, the last pjo book that was best battle sequence it was like the whole book was kind of the battle yeah the entire book was the battle well done perfect yeah and the build-up of them slowly getting closer and closer to um having Cronus come closer and closer was just like there was like there was a deadline too like it wasn't suddenly like she's here (laughs) like guy is here (laughs) she's decided to open her eyes today Yeah. yeah she's already made it to camp it's like a slow like you're watching uh what was his name? Typhoon? 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 Typhoon, yeah. Yeah. Typhoon yeah. was the restaurant chain. Uh, Typhoon um, making his way across the continental United States and just mm-hmm. landing. So good. Yeah. Mm. But we're not reading those but those. No, we are. No. <laughs> Shockingly. So what I'm saying is I had low expectations because I didn't love the first book for this one, mm-hmm. but this one has really done a good job it's recaptured me and also i think now uh, apollo isn't as unbearable as he yeah. was in the first he's book. definitely grown <laughs> he has a purpose and his purpose is saving meg and yeah. i think that just like makes him a much more likable character yes yeah what is interesting though is from what i've seen of the overarching like fandom opinion is this is the like least favorite of the five which so is people like the first book Better than this one? I think the first two are the least favorite. I think the, pe- pe- the people, the people of the world, like three, four, and five a lot. 
I mean, that makes sense. Like, if we've established, like, we're liking Apollo now, he hopefully can only get better because that's the whole point of a character arc. Yeah. And so... I think the reason I like him in the first book is, A, he's funny, and B, I trust that Rick is going to make us like him, you know? Like, I've read Rick's books before. I know that he's going to get more likable by the end. Yeah. That's true. It's a lot of trust in the author at that point. You know, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this makes me more excited for the series. I think the first Mm -hmm. book I was like, ah, okay, something we ought to do, but this is making me more excited. So, I a lot more like bigger reveals happen in the next three books. So, I'm excited too for you to get caught up. Just like text you my like reactions. Yeah, the live live tweet. Just kidding. This could be me screaming, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Or you being like, that was kind of (laughs) lame. Yeah, that's fair. I might be like, oh, I saw that coming miles away. Yeah. So, I mean, what we're talking about in these chunk of four chapters is we're going to be escaping the cave of Trophonius only to arrive at the heat of battle. Alrighty. So I have chapters 35 and 36. I'm going to say it was nice doing two for this one. I Like, my week was real busy. This was like a nice little break. I don't mind doing three. Like, these aren't very long chapters, but, you know. Take it where it I felt can. extra short. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I appreciated that this week, and I probably will next week too. Mm-hmm. But chapter 35. Man, I hate my son. A real arrogant jerkwad. Nothing like his dad. <laughs> Lol. Apollo runs to Meg to try and shoo the swarm of bees away from her and pleads with Trophonius's ghost to stop tormenting Meg. He responds that Meg, well, Trophonius responds that Meg actually apparently opened herself up to the Dark Oracle um, by singing her song in the past chapter. And so now, even though Apollo was the one who drank from the river and did the things he was supposed to, Trophonius is like, I'm actually gonna torment Meg instead. So that's not a great look for Meg. It's not great for her. It doesn't have, it's not an enjoyable torment. Um, so Apollo is able to get Meg's body to calm a bit by muttering some old healing chants, and he sings to her. Luckily, we don't have to hear the lyrics. I know, thank God. He sings to her about her mother, though, and I was like, is it Dear Mama? <laughs> God. Rapping? Dear Mama, part two. <laughs> we learn that it's actually not about Meg's mother, it's about the ant mother. Just kidding. He says it's about Demeter and her kindness and everything. Um, and it makes Meg fall into a deeper trance, which Apollo is like, I guess that's good. She's not convulsing. And Trophonius helpfully points out that she could still die, actually. Um, she's actually closer to death now. And Apollo tells him. <laughs> <What> a bummer. <laughs> you know, he's just like, actually. Mm-hmm. Apollo tells Meg to hold, not to lose hope. And Trophonius, this line I thought was really funny. I know it's probably meant to be deep, but just the way it's delivered. He says, hope. Interesting word. I had hope once. <laughs> I might act like a father. It's like that SpongeBob. Like, I had a friend once. <laughs> yes, that's what I thought of that TikTok audio of him being like, I had that once. <laughs> I also thought here, I was like, Trophonius feels a little bit like a Luke parallel because he's got daddy issues and he's into thievery. Luke was a lightning thief. He stole gold. Okay. Yeah. I was, I mean, I thought 
<laughs> Interesting pitch. I feel like all of them have daddy issues, though. Yes. Even Apollo has daddy issues. They're actually all Luke. There's a little bit of Luke in all of them. <laughs> We're replacing daddy issues with just the term Luke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Luke Skywalker, daddy issues. Oh, you're so, so true. Are there any other famous yeah. Lukes? One Tree Hill Luke. Did he have daddy he issues? He had daddy issues. Did he? I did. The whole thing, that. the whole plot is that his father like leaves and gets another woman pregnant mm-hmm. like as soon as he's born. So he has like a brother who's a couple years younger than him. Mm-hmm. Sorry, a couple months younger than him. Oh. Daddy issues. Okay. I'm going to need to, anyone who knows any Lukes with daddy issues, please tell us about them so that we get more data. Any famous Lukes? Don't. Include last names yeah, of these poor kids. <laughs> yeah, I know. We give first and last names and some people's <laughs> deepest trauma. I know. My favorite is when you still get enemy stories, which we asked They're a like, long time ago. Right. And my favorite is when people are like, they include, they don't include, you know, their full government name, but when they're just like, his name is Brent or something. I'm, I'm just like, like yeah, sure, Brent. go off. Yeah. <laughs> So Trophimius then also mentions to Apollo that he can sense that there are Blemhe outside the cave and they're preparing explosives. That was, which I kind of love, it's really chaotic of them, but that was Commodus's plan to blow up the cave if they didn't kill Apollo and Meg um, before they got into the cave to just get rid of it. Meg's condition does continue to get worse, as Trophonius thought, and she starts frothing from the mouth and saying random words to the point that Apollo has no other option to per- but to perform mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, which he's just like, I am so sorry, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Um, and he literally sucks the darkness out from her lungs, and he likens the feeling to inhaling bee venom and acid, so painful that he almost blacks out. Taking on her pain causes him to slip into one of her memories. He is suddenly Meg as a scared little girl, looking down at the body of her dead father, the rose he had given her crushed and dead. Nero is there to comfort her, but deep down she's blaming herself for this. She knows it's her fault that the beast got her father. Then the vision shifts away from that, and because their minds are melded, it's kind of more of like a godly vision, and they start plunging into primordial chaos, and Apollo attempts to shield Meg from this because mortal eyes should not, or demigod eyes, should not be able to see that. Then they hear the piercing words of part of a prophecy. Swift, Swift white, white horse, horse, the crossword speaker, speaker lands, lands of a scorching death. death. And my cursed brain was like, Swift white horse? You mean white horse by Taylor Swift? God, if he thinks that, I'm going to lose my <gasps> shit. I would love that for my surprise song. Manifesting. <laughs> Manifesting Haunted as my surprise song and mm. has it been I know, I, I, Apollo sings this oh. in, the, in the books. <laughs> if he sings White Horse. <laughs> White Horse. Uh, that would be a lot better than the, all the mommy songs. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't want to try to imagine him singing the White Horse, though. Don't need that no. in my life. Don't need the visual. <laughs> no. Some more prophecy is spoken, but it's all really fast and jumbled and they can't understand it. That line is like the only thing they can make out. And while they are struggling together, they both have the same thought at the same time and they can like feel each other's thought. They think, I cannot give up. Apollo slash Meg needs me, which I just, oh, that just like melts me because they're both like about to die and they're like, no, I can't because that person needs me. And they're both thinking that they're bonded. 
It's also the fact that that's the only reason. They were like, if I was mm-hmm. alone, I would have succumbed. But having someone there that you need to protect and you need to live for is it's it's beautiful well done yeah it's so sweet and really sad too like to think that they're both pretty alone like they don't really have a lot of people even with apollo being a god yeah none of his godly siblings parents whatever none of them actually care about him as a person not that he's a person as a god i wonder if that's also because they can't die so they've never yeah. actually fully worried about him because like what can happen to him He's no yeah exactly no, yes yeah yeah and he hasn't done a great job of making friends as a no mom, that's also true other than meg and meg doesn't really meg also has not done a great job making friends though she was the odds were stacked against her with the way she was raised yeah So after having that thought, they both collapse and are gasping. Meg is still knocked out and unconscious, but they're not like frothing up the mouth or anything anymore. The worst of it seems to have passed and the voices are gone. The bees vanished. Trophonius is disappointed that Meg did not die, but he relishes in the fact that she could still end up insane when she wakes up for the rest of her life. Indifferently, then, he tells them they better hurry along and carry Meg down, and Apollo should carry Meg down the underwater tunnel, but not before Trophonius says that he, that they owe him a debt. He declares that because he gave them a prophecy, which is, you know, all the torture and that jumbled words that Meg heard and Apollo heard, that um, they owe him a favor and that they'll be able to hear all of the prophecy if Apollo can get Meg out of the cave into the chair of memory, kind of like what happened with Georgina. So the favor he requests is actually to destroy the cave. He doesn't want to be used by Commodus any longer. He's better off with the cave destroyed. He's unsure if he'll disappear forever, if the oracle will appear elsewhere. He just knows he doesn't want to be used for the evil that Commodus is doing anymore. He asks Apollo to tell Agamethus, his brother slash cheese ghost, that he loves him and that he's sorry for their fate. Then he disappears and leaves them alone in the cave. I really, I had a, I had multiple feelings, okay. more than one, about I love when that happens. I know, because remember last episode, we were talking about Trophonius, and I thought that he was such a scary villain. Mm-hmm. And... In this chapter, he doesn't feel scary. He actually just no. kind of feels sad. And yeah. he could have... He doesn't also feel as angry as, like, Luke would have been in this situation. Like, he's not actually really extracting revenge. It just happens that he has the opportunity to, like, harass Apollo a little bit more than he can. But Apollo has a way out, and there is a way that he can save Meg. And... Mm-hmm. He's not trying to fully bring down his wrath. Like he's not he's not consumed by his revenge. Whereas Luke was completely consumed by his revenge. And so I think that makes Trophonius less of a scary villain. Because can you imagine like a like a all-encompassing ghost man who has the power of prophecy and bees coming after you in a dark <laughs> cave? Terrifying. Hmm. Yeah, he definitely seems a lot sadder in these. Like as much as he is wanting Apollo and Meg to be tortured when it turns out they're fine like he's pretty indifferent about it he's just kind of like well you guys better get out but can you please yeah. kill me <laughs> you know I mean I, I guess don't he's be dead for evil anymore which yeah. makes sense like he yeah he doesn't want to be used as a tool and he's like hopes in the future he gets 
if he's resurrected and the, the cave moves elsewhere, it'll be something somewhere a little bit more pleasant. And then yeah. he has his opportunity to meet Apollo, and Apollo will be a kinder and better father at that time, mm-hmm. too. Not is, Indiana. I mean, <laughs> like, I just get me out of Indiana. <laughs> Which I think is also... Ref- <laughs> it's also reflective of... Um, Maybe a ghost that has lived a long time also has mm-hmm. the gift of prophecy, so you can imagine he's a bit wiser yeah. than like a nineteen-year-old boy who's mad at his dad. Yeah, mm-hmm. very true. Yeah, but I really I liked that chapter. It was very good. And then there's this chapter, which is <laughs> just, just like blumier chaos. So chapter thirty-six. Mind your p's and q's when you are arming bombs or splat. Trample Jelly. So carrying Meg along with him, Apollo swims out of the underground tunnel and nearly drowns along the way. He mentions, like, he he's not a good swimmer. It's not his strong suit. And he's also trying to carry Meg during all of this. But they make it, and they when they surface, he spots three Blumier all crouched over a large object that looks like two stoop scuba tanks duct-taped together. He deduces that it's a bomb. One Blumier is disguised as a park ranger. The other is a cop. They pick the kind of jobs that I feel like a little kid would pick. Like, out of a a book with, like, a list of, like, oh, when I grow up, I want to be... I kind of like the Blumier, though. (laughs) I do, too. It's really hard to not like them. Right? They're really polite. Violent. Yeah. Yes. Polite and violent. That's, like... What could, what could be wrong with that? <laughs> Ultimate combo. Yeah. And then the third Blumier there is our dear old lady friend, Nanette, from way back at the beginning of this book. They're all standing there arguing about how to work the bomb. but And like that's why they're, they go unnoticed for a bit. But finally, Nanette spots Apollo and Meg. Apollo is able to outwit them, though. He tells them that they can't kill him because he knows how to work the bomb. And they're very polite about it. They're all like, oh, yeah. I guess that makes sense, but we're going to kill you afterwards. And he's like, okay. And it feels very much like something like Annabeth and Percy would have come up with to outwit yeah. a monster. We learn when Apollo tries to tell the Blemier to pick up a red wire, they're also colorblind. So he can use this to further distract them and outspart them. He also takes the time to point out to them that they're all going to die if they set this bomb off. And this stumps them. Like, they hadn't thought of this. They're like, oh, I guess I don't really want to die. And he tells them that he has an idea for a solution. He also promises them. He's like, after we do this, you guys can kill us. Like, I know you still want to do that. And they're like, okay, thank you. And he tells them that they'll have to send one of the Blumier to swim with the device closer to the Oracle and tricks Nanette into doing this for them because he tells them that... uh the, like, countdown timer on the bomb will go slower underwater. (laughs) And the net's just like, oh, yes, you're right. And so thus he's, it it completes his goal of destroying the Oracle for Trophonius. And also Nanette is, he's not a fan of her without getting blown up themselves. That is the end of those chapters. I've touched on a few of my notes. I really liked um, one of the lines in that chapter, the Blemier chapter, when he's trying to trick them. Apollo says, I have an idea, I said, when in fact I did not. And I loved (laughs) that line. That made me do a little snort. 
And I also thought the first haiku of the of the first chapter where he says like he calls Trophonius a real arrogant jerkwad, nothing like his dad. First, I was like, really, Apollo? Where's your character growth? But I actually, after reading the chapter, it felt more like he was saying that ironically. Because yeah. I think, as we've seen, he knows he was really arrogant because he saw a lot of himself in Commodus. So I think he's just being ironic here. Yeah, like he's and also sprinkling a bit of defensive humor into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not that bad of a dad. Yeah. He's <laughs> pretty awful, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alright, I have chapters 37 and 38. So chapter 37. Your favorite fruit? I hope you didn't say grapes, or apples, or figs. So obviously Nanette goes down to the water and the bomb explodes, killing her. Her remaining Blemier friends are disappointed that Apollo would lie to them. Apollo was hoping that in the time of their disappointment, he would have come up with some kind of miraculous plan. But instead he has to opt for the really lame, hey look over there tactic. <laughs> when the Blemier turn, which they have to turn their whole bodies to look at where he's pointing since they don't have necks. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> I know, they're so sad. <laughs> they're kind of pathetic. It's so funny. Apollo kicks one of them into the water and a piece of cave ceiling falls on top of him, killing him. <laughs> it was so violent. Apollo is even a bit shell-shocked about that it happened. He's like, oh, that's <laughs> neat blood and tidy. everywhere. splattered <laughs> in blood. The last remaining Blemier is like really disappointed that Apollo has killed his friend, so he breaks Apollo's hand. Apollo, thinking he's going to die, pleads to the Blemier not to kill Meg and just kill him instead. Luckily for him, Peaches and his new posse, which is two more of the Carpoi, show up to the rescue. So there's three Carpoi, which are probably in the area searching for Meg when they heard Apollo scream in pain. They attack the last Blemier and they literally shred him to bits. Like this lasts over 30 seconds, which is, doesn't sound like a long time. But when you're watching someone literally get torn to, to bits with little fangs and little teeth, 30 seconds is a long time. It's very yeah. violent. Especially for like a little, I imagine they're like little guys. They're not yeah. big. No, there's three of them. So they're like little piranha teeth yeah. running around on this body. Um, Peaches then runs over to an unconscious Meg and mourns for a while. He's screaming and crying and pausing. Hello, please, sir, I'm dying. <laughs> Finally, he comes over to Apollo and Apollo asks him to take them out of the cave so they can drive home. Unfortunately, Apollo then promptly passes out from all the pain he's endured in the last couple of chapters. So chapter 38, Waste Station Damaged. Commodus will pay for this, and I don't take cash. <laughs> I like that one. I think that's my favorite one so far. That's a good one. Yeah. It doesn't have any random, like, slang in it, and it <laughs> yeah. also is clever. It's kind of a rare one for Rick. I know. He really... He was on a high when he wrote that one. Yeah. Somehow, Peaches and Co. managed to carry both Meg and Apollo to the Mercedes and then drive them back into the city. Apollo imagines one is steering and the other two are operating each pedal, which is a hilarious visual. I'm obsessed Apo with them driving. <laughs> I know. I like one of them that. is shouting and saying, break. Steering. Yeah. <laughs> peaches. Peaches and peaches. Um, 
Apollo wakes up with his arm bandaged and leaves in sap, and his arm is feeling better but still injured. He notices that the city has a gas leak sign, much like how Leo predicted Commodus would use to drive out the mortals of the city while the attack was happening. Apollo asks the three Karpoi to watch and protect Meg at all costs. He has to go check on his friends at the way station and go get the throne of memory for Meg to sit on so she won't wake up insane. Which I was like, that would, that would, it's funny. Wake up insane. <laughs> don't we all? Apollo. Don't we all? Every day, every morning. <laughs> Apollo charges into battle and is immediately met with a demigod in Roman armor who attacks. Luckily for Apollo, the demigod is already pretty badly wounded, so all it takes is a swing of his ukulele to bring him down. In the middle, he sees Ujimi. Ujimi? Right? I think so, yeah. Okay. Ujimi. In the middle, he says. In the middle, he sees Ujimi in the middle of a roundabout fighting off Cyclops. He's swinging a bronze hockey stick and taking them out. Apollo notes that electricity is coming out of the hockey stick that reminds him a lot of Zeus's um, lightning bolts, but it's a darker red and has a different ozone scent to it. And I was like, ooh, are we like moving away from Greek gods and like mm-hmm. more different deities? But mm-hmm. Ujimi is actually not like of greek descent he's just unfortunately involved in all of this yeah yeah because apollo or apollo rick has the whole cane chronicles too with the egyptian gods i'm like trying to remember if they have anything to do with like red lightning but i don't remember and then there's the whole norse yeah things and mm-hmm. we haven't read those but i mean i mean i don't think i I'm, my money is he's not nordic but yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> I think that's a good guess. <laughs> um, he wishes he could ask him about it, but he has to move on. He sidesteps a bunch of mini battles. Hunter, the hunter, is firing her arrows and moving rapidly. Sarah is lounging with a huge belly. Apollo runs over to her thinking she's injured, but actually she's just been swallowing the Germana's whole, and now she has to digest, so she's just sitting there. <laughs> what a move. <laughs> Sarah tells a Apollo the Commodus has unfortunately made it into the way station. So Apollo heads over there. On his way to the way station, Apollo sees what looks like a wing of Festus on the ground, and his rage is at an all-time high. Apparently, he's very territorial about his rides. <laughs> he passes w- wounded hunters of Artemis bandaging each other, and then a dead demigod boy. Apollo doesn't know whose side the demigod was on, but he thinks that it's a waste of life for the demigod to die. Which like, is very he didn't think of, that when he was making plague arrows. I know, which is what he says. He's like he's starting to believe that maybe they should like they're not as indispens as dispensable as he previously thought. Mm-hmm. Which is also like these are your children. What do you yeah. mean? <laughs> I think it's when it's his kids, it's different. It was, other yeah. demigods are very dispensable. Yeah, but now he's starting to value them a little bit. Yes. Wow, amazing. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, he walks into the library to find the body of Heloise, the griffin. Her neck has been broken, and there's no sign of her mate or her egg. Apollo is distraught and heartbroken. He can't decide if it's worse if the baby and Abelard Abelard are alive and now have to live without their mother-slash-partner. Or if they were also murdered. He's like, what is it? Is it worse to be alive but lose the person you love? And have them haunt you forever? Or is it worse to be dead? 
Apollo's a poet at heart, so he has to ponder yeah. this for a little while. He doesn't show the the poet much in his like ooze, but he's in there. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> the rage is giving him energy, and he bursts into the main hall. The furniture is destroyed and thrown around, but the main issue is there's a standoff happening at the dining table. On one side is Joe, Calypso, Lydiarius, and Talia, all pointing their weapons towards the other side. Which Joe has a submachine gun while Lydiarius has a sword. And I'm like, how is this fair? <laughs> what is the sword going to do? <laughs> I know, he's just pointing it for show at this point. Mm-hmm. On the other side is Commodus, and he's flanked by Germania's soldiers. One soldier has a crossbow pointed at Emmy's temple, while Emmy tightly holds on to a coherent but terrified Georgina. The other soldier on the other side has Leo in a similar hostage situation. Mm-hmm. Apollo demands Commodus let his friends go, to which Commodus happily replies, Lester, you're just in time for the fun. The dramatic villain confrontation. Yes, and he's way too gleeful about it. Of course. Um, it's a show. <laughs> I was just, again, this section was so violent. I think mm-hmm. in PJO, we don't like super acknowledge the, the deaths. I mean, even Heroes of Olympus, too. It's like, there are lives lost, and then they don't mention it again. Will just has to deal with the bodies, that's all. Percy's like, I didn't know the kid's name. (laughs) (laughs) It was sad. It was sad, I guess. I don't know. It's an Apollo kid. (laughs) (laughs) It's always an Apollo kid. It is. Um... Also, the fact that Apollo is, like, in the beginning of this book itself is, like, I've never really murdered anyone. And then he's murdered someone in every single chapter of this book. He's making a change. He's like, I am a new, I'm my new self now. (laughs) I can murder. It's okay. Because now he understands mortality, so it's not as crazy for him to murder people. Yeah, he understands the consequence of it, and he's down with it. (laughs) So I um, I also thought it was interesting that Commodus always refers to him as Lester rather mm. than Apollo. And mm-hmm. I know that I noticed that in this chapter, which I wanted to include. I know it's a big thing in the next coming chapters or mm-hmm. chapter. And so I just noted it. And so mm-hmm. well done. The difference of him seeing Apollo as weak and mortal and susceptible to his um, violence versus Apollo, who is untouchable. Yeah. And, like, he knew Apollo also as Narcissus. Like, he... I mean, Apollo was literally in disguise, but the only time he ever realized it was Apollo himself was while Apollo was murdering him. And he doesn't want to view this guy as someone capable of murder. He just wants him to be, like, lame little Lester. Yeah, exactly. That was some good alliteration there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> lame little Lester. Mm. Uh, my last note was I always wanted to drive the same way that the... the Corpoy was described like as a kid because I was always small and so Mm -hmm. I was like I can't ever reach I'll never grow so I'll never be able to drive and reach the pedals so I have to I was like if I get a team together someone Mm. is steering and I also didn't know how cars work so I was like one of us has to be operating one pedal at a time it's not like boat like you can just hit the accelerator hit the brake Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to do that so badly. That and also like sneaking into a movie theater in one big trench coat, like stacking oh, on yes. top of each other. Yeah. I really wanted that to happen just to be tall. Obviously. That's how you get into like, you know, PG-13. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I will say, um, as someone who is fully 27, I did get carded the other day to go <gasps> into an R-rated movie. To go into a movie theater? Oh, no. I yeah. had to go into a movie once when I was, like, 20. And I was like, wow, yeah. how could they? I think it would be even worse if they did that now. I it, it it hurt my feelings a lot. Yeah. It also made me feel really good. I can't decide. I feel like as yeah. I get older, being younger feels like, okay, so at least I look youthful, even though it's dead in my eyes. Yeah. Did you ever sneak been, into rated R movies? Um, I never really had to because I watched yeah. them with my parents. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, my parents never had a problem, which was worse. Honestly, it was I would rather not watch it at all because, like, having to <laughs> watch your the parents. scene next to your yeah. parents is the ultimate torture. Yeah. The worst is my parents would try to cover my eyes. And that just was <laughs> wor- That was just... When we watch at home, they try to skip it, but it would be dark. And they'd mm-hmm. miss the, the skip button. And they'd hit the slow-mo button every single time. I love like, that. on the dot. <laughs> I mean, oh, I still so don't want to watch any of that shit with them. No, it's so weird. It's so weird. Still uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Prefer PG thirteen with the parents. Yeah, even P- sometimes PG thirteen is worse though. Like R rated. Okay, they're having sex. It's uncomfortable, but PG thirteen sometimes they do weird shit to like skate That's by true. the R rating, mm-hmm. but still make it inappropriate. That's very true. Uh, anyway, those are my notes on these chapters. Um, I think this book is going, I mean, this book has to end with the death of Commodus, I think. Mm. Mm-hmm. But then I can't imagine, I know we only have like, what, four chapters left? Yeah, four chapters. So it has to have some kind of cliffhanger to like, what's going to happen in the next book. If last book, Meg disappeared. And so Apollo yeah. was ultimately betrayed. I'm wondering if Meg is going to spew out some ridiculous prophecy and it's just going to end there. Yeah. I mean, we got some lines about a white horse and somewhere. Taylor Swift, yeah. About Taylor Swift, yeah. I don't Mm. remember what the other part was. White horse, uh, crossword speaker, and some Mm. lands of scorching death. And I think you can make a lot of predictions based off of that, right? Yeah, I'm guessing Arizona. Mm, And then... The land of scorching death. Yes. Yeah. Seems, Seems legit. Taylor Swift. They're going to go see Taylor Swift in Arizona. <laughs> They're going to the Eras tour. <laughs> they are. They she already done with that was her I think opening, that was opening <gasps> night. Rick <gasps> predicted her oh, wow. Okay, we're getting we're, we're losing. The crossword players. speaker, who's that? Taylor no, Swift. It's, it's Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah. The end. The end. <laughs> we're losing the plot and our minds. Yes. Always. All right, let's do the lightning bolt questions for this one. This question was sent to us by Chloe. What job would you disguise yourself as if you were a blemier? Ooh. I feel like it has to be like one of those like basic job, like jobs that you see on the street. Pick out of a costume box. Yes. Jobs that people dress up as for Halloween, probably. I think if I could be like like a train conductor... Oh, you can wear the that little feels, hat. Yeah, that feels like something a kid thinks is like a very common job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I definitely thought that was like a career. I mean, it is a career path, but I thought it was like, you know. A common career a, path. Like a college major or something <laughs> at the point. I'm trying to think of what I want to be. 
Hmm. I do feel like doing like a construction thing not that I'm good I like I, I don't have skills in that area but I think it would be funny as a planier mm. to like look like I I would probably give myself away because they'd look over and I'd be using a drill incorrectly but I think it would be funny I'll still wear a construction planier. hat as a planier. yeah yeah that wouldn't be that cute though no it wouldn't be as stupid. cute I don't know what other jobs there are that planiers can be they're all like cops. I feel like, like the Monopoly man or something would be fun. Like so just like a mysteriously, a, a mysteriously <laughs> rich man. I do love the, the monocle. I do love the idea of the Blumiers just like picking things they think are jobs based off of like reading human human media. Yeah. Like they're just like, okay, the jobs are park ranger, construction worker, cop, old lady. <laughs> <laughs> A man who owns a mansion that people get murdered at. Yeah. I could be a yeah. dog walker, like one of those people with like a lot of dogs. <laughs> definitely yeah. is not reasonable. <laughs> so your uniform is just having a lot of leashes. Yeah. yeah. Getting dragged along <laughs> by my my face on my chest. <laughs> and then my next question. So we've, like, been introduced to two oracles so far. So there's, like, mm. the crazy tree oracle or the crazy cave oracle. So which one, like, which vibe would you rather have as an oracle? Oh. Hmm. Right? I think I'd do the crazy tree. Hmm. Because I like the idea of, like, ooh, the spookiness of the cave. But right. then I'd also have to, like, live in the cave. <laughs> I think I would like to live um, in the trees. And there's something super spooky about, like, all the leaves shaking together to give you a prophecy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, like, the the tree one has all the, um, like, the wind chimes and stuff. Yeah. Too. That's pretty spooky. Honestly, lean towards Crazy Cave Oracle because I think mm. it's a little more dramatic. At least in Trifonius's vibe versus Dodona is a little more. Dodona's more like a hippie vibe in the trees. But the cave oracle, I do like the idea of driving people insane. It is very intense. It's really intense. I do think that I could become like a crazy cult leader. That is true. I do believe that you could do that. I think so too. I think it's because mm. like watching Yellow Jackets, I was like, what type of role would I take on if I was like, you know, abandoned, hungry, without my medication? And I was like, you know what? I would probably become the crazy one that like people yeah. think is prophetic, but I'm just like depressed. <laughs> <laughs> just not medicated at the moment. I'm just like really unwell. So I think that I could really tap into like a cra- a crave, a crazy cave oracle. But I think my best self could be in the trees, you know? I think I'd be happier. So it's like, it's about presentation versus purpose. So purpose, yeah. you'd probably be better in the tree, but yes. presentation-wise, cave all the way. Yeah, it depends on what I'm going for, how much attention I want that day. <laughs> all right, my question is, you, you heard me kind of dive into... Um, the, the cartoonish shenanigans. So what cartoonish shenanigan did you always want to do as a child? Oh. 
feel like I didn't allow myself to think of enough cartoonish shenanigans as a child. Like I was really it's insane. I was really worried about getting in trouble all the time. But I oh. do the thing that comes to my mind is like I don't know if this is a shenanigan, but you know in like wildly coyote when they run off the cliff and they like walk yeah. in the air for a bit. I always yeah. really wanted to see if that would happen. And I'd be like, can I just run, walk, and then like come back to the cliff? Like not fall, like come back. Um, yeah. It's like walking on air. I thought it would be cool. I always, I still sometimes I'm like, what if I ran fast enough? <laughs> it could I be could gravity. I could beat gravity. <laughs> I mean, I always wanted, I think it was, like, ignited by, like, like Looney Tune cartoons mm. and Tom and Jerry, but then also, like, Barbie as Rapunzel, where oh, I wanted to so be good. able to paint the wall, like, a tunnel, and then oh. I could walk through it, but then when someone's yes. chasing me, they'd hit the wall. That yes. was always a fun shenanigan. Okay, Barbie as Rapunzel, good movie. Great movie. Quality. I remember really liking that Purple Dragon yeah, I mean, you rewatch it and it's like horrendous quality. Yes. Like the animation. The beginning, yeah, the beginning of like CGI animation movies. So, but we all so watched, good. Uh, what was it? Was it Fairytopia? We did. <laughs> On a girl's trip. <laughs> it was so bad, but so good. It was so good. It I think at some point on. when I was at my lowest during grad school, is hard, you guys. Um, I watched You're Barbie like, and the Twelve Dancing. Yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> yesterday, uh, Barbie and the Twelve Dancing mm. Princesses. It's a good. The plot, though. I mean, again, the animation is pretty bad. Mm. It's low budget, but it was a pretty good plot, and the music was really good too. Still holds up. Still holds up. Five star <laughs> review on on the Barbie movies. Still holds up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, next time we're going to finish this book, which is crazy. Whoa. The Dark Prophecy, chapters 39 through 43. As always, links to Patreon and link to send us an audio message will be in the episode description. Social media is going to be at Camp Half Pod and our email is camphalfpod at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you are listening to us. Goodbye.